Hello, hi, and welcome back to another episode of Two Teaspoons of Positivity. The date is the 15th of May, and the time is 5.17 a.m. EST. I apologize for not being able to upload last week. I'm trying to stay on track this week. The first big story is that the UK approved its first drugs testing service. The West has been fighting a war against drugs for decades, with scant evidence of success. This week, the United Kingdom offered a further sign that a new approach is emerging, emphasizing harm reduction over criminality. Harm reduction is a really good idea. I haven't read too much about it, but from what I have, I can understand that it is a three-pronged approach. Prong one, you teach people how to recognize harmful substances and how to survive accidental overdoses instead of fear-mongering because a lot of overdose cases involve people consuming substances that they didn't realize were in their medication. So they were just taking the pain meds that they were prescribed by their doctor, but they ended up overdosing. Not because they took the dose wrong, but because there were some trace amounts of opioids or something much stronger in their medication. The second prong is accepting that a lot of people will go through with it, regardless of the consequences they will use. That's where you provide them a government-regulated space where they can use the substances they want under the supervision of medical professionals. Now, this does not mean that we get doctors and nurses to help people get high, because that's just absolutely dumb. What it means is that instead of going to abandoned buildings and other unsafe spaces, people can come to a federally regulated location where they will meet with medical professionals who will help them understand the pros and cons of using these substances and help them initiate a rehabilitation process. And most of all, it will ensure that people don't die from overdosing. I'm, I'm really sorry for dragging this story on for so long. It's, it's, it's just really personal. I've lost people who overdosed because no one was around them or the people who were around them were also um, suffering from the side effects of using. They just didn't know what to do and they were too scared of calling an ambulance or their own family and friends. Let's, let's get back to the story. So the third prong of harm reduction is the benefits of the second, uh, of the second step. Once people start attending these regulated locations, the government can achieve two things. Firstly, they can get a much more accurate estimation of how many people are using within their jurisdiction. Secondly, they can take customers away from the illegal drug trade because now customers are receiving the substances that they are dependent on from a government source and they are also on their way to reduce their dependency on the substance. And that's all I know about harm reduction. Now let's take a look at what the UK is doing. In a move unthinkable a decade ago, the government granted a license for a service that will anonymously test people's illegal substances for strength and purity, information that could save lives. It comes amid a record rise in drug-related deaths in the UK. Yeah, it is slightly better than harm reduction because it's allowing people to submit their drugs to authorities and receive an analysis of how strong the substances are and not get arrested in the process. The facility will open in Bristol this month following successful trials in city centres and at festivals. Those accessing the service 
will be able to deposit a sample of their drugs into an amnesty box. The drugs will then be assessed and the results presented to them an hour later during a consultation with a medical professional. That's really good. The service is run by The Loop, a non-profit harm reduction organization. Its work has been linked with a fall in drug-related medical problems at festivals. Similar projects are already operating in some European countries. Bristol City Councillor Ellie King said the service will empower people to make safer, informed decisions and access drug treatment and further support. That's such great news. I'm so glad that this is becoming a more common approach and I hope we get to see similar initiatives around the world. The next big story is that the Philippines set a climate precedent. A Filipino inquiry has concluded that big polluters are morally and legally liable for climate damage, a verdict that could help supercharge climate lawsuits around the world. The inquiry by the Philippines Commission on Human Rights was launched seven years ago by survivors of Typhoon Haiyan. It concluded that oil, coal and cement firms engaged in willful obfuscation of climate science while slowing down the transition to clean energy. That is just messed up. I understand that companies need to save their bottom line, but do they not realize that they are actively decreasing the number of customers who buy their products? Would it not be a better business decision to try and improve the quality of the stuff you produce so that you're helping save the environment and by extension your customer base? We have a statement here from the executive director of Greenpeace Southeast Asia. This report is historic and sets a solid legal basis for asserting that climate destructive business practices by fossil fuel and cement companies contribute to human rights harms. The Commission does not have the power to hold the companies legally responsible. However, experts are hopeful that the report will lead to new climate laws and pave the way for more climate legislation. I hope other countries use this report to hold companies more accountable. Next big story, it's quite interesting that the Smithsonian has adopted an ethical returns policy. The Smithsonian Institution, the world's largest museum complex, has launched an ethical returns policy which will allow its museums to repatriate items that were acquired dubiously. Dubiously, that's a polite way of phrasing it. The institution admitted that it possesses works that it would not have acquired under present-day standards. It will now give museums the power to return them based on ethical considerations, such as whether the items were taken under duress or removed without consent. We have a statement here from Smithsonian Secretary Donnie Bunch. There is a growing understanding at the Smithsonian and in the world of museums generally that our possession of these collections carries with it certain ethical obligations to the place and people where the collections originated. I have my reservations about the language that they used, but I am optimistic that this will help us return pieces of history to their rightful places. The next big story is that Spain moved to introduce menstrual leave for women. Women who experience severe period pain will be allowed to take up to three days of leave each month as part of reforms due to be approved by the Spanish government. The move would make Spain the first Western nation to offer menstrual leave. Japan, South Korea and Indonesia are among the countries that have already introduced it. The reform is due to be passed at the cabinet meeting next Tuesday, according to The Telegraph. It will include other measures to improve menstrual health, including a requirement for schools to provide free sanitary pads for girls who need them. It's a good initiative, but I think people deserve more options. Maybe letting them work from home along with a three-day leave? That way people can choose whether they want to rest or whether they just need the comfort of their homes and families to get through this. Either way, I'm very happy that Spain introduced it and I look forward to seeing this in different parts of the world. The next big story 
is that California hit a green energy milestone. They don't call it the Sunshine State for nothing. This week, it emerged that solar energy helped California source almost 100% of its electricity from renewables for a brief period on April 30th. That is great news. I didn't think we would see 100% reliance on renewables for at least a few years. It's really great. The state's main grid ran on 99.9% .9 green energy for about two minutes, the California Independent System Operator issued said in a statement. Two minutes may not seem much, but it still is great news. I did not expect us to hit that milestone this year. I'm really excited. California has set a target to have all of its electricity come from zero carbon sources by 2045. The latest figures suggest that it could be on track. The next big story is that Europe's largest floating solar farm will start in Portugal. Another week and another green energy milestone. On Monday, Europe's largest floating solar farm was towed to its moorings on Portugal's Alqueva Reservoir. Equivalent in size to four football pitches, the facility has 12,000 solar panels and will supply around 1,500 people with electricity when it goes live in July. EDP, the firm behind it, has already received permission to launch a second one on the same reservoir. That's great. I'm so happy to see so many initiatives this week. The next story is that COVID vaccines were found to reduce stillbirths. It is certainly a welcome side effect. According to research published this week, the mRNA COVID vaccines during pregnancy are linked to a 15% reduction in stillbirths. Study was led by researchers from St. George's University of London and the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. The results were published in Nature Communications. I think this is really great that finishes all of our big stories and it's time for our one and only baby story for this week wait this is a big baby story Let's see what this is prescription comedy classes were ruled out in england they say that laughter is the best medicine one comic is proving just that. Angie Belcher has developed a comedy course that is being prescribed to people with trauma. The project in Bristol has gone down so well, but this week, which aptly is Mental Health Awareness Week, it secured NHS funding to help men in London who are deemed at risk of suicide. Belcher is frequently surprised by how eager people are to open up. We have a statement here from her. In every terrible situation, there is invariably one thing that makes you giggle and think, gosh, this is really awful, but it's also kind of funny. That's the one thing that people always want to talk to me about. That's a very positive statement. I'm glad that we could end uh, this episode on such a positive note. I would like to thank the one person listening to this, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and now I am going to tune out. Bye-bye!